My last name is Van Schoenhoven, so good luck with that one. <laughs> hey, I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening this time. What it's like being freelance for designer Femke Van Schoenhoven. Every weekday, I get up at 6am, my cat is asleep, my boyfriend is asleep, my whole street is still asleep, and I have about two hours to myself to just solely work on side projects. I think sometimes we feel like we have to just wait for something to come along, but I'd say if you've got the passion and the drive and the hunger to go and do something, then just go and do it. Yes, hello and welcome to another one. Hope you're good, whatever you're up to, both work and life-wise. And here we go with another one. And uh, we're crossing to Amsterdam to speak to a Kiwi in the form of Femcare very soon. Uh, let me just point you in the direction of beingfreelance.com where you can find nearly 80 guests to listen to. And remember, it's not about what they do as a job title, but rather who they are. They're being freelance. That's what we concentrate on uh, on this podcast. And I hope you get loads of value from it. And thank you so much for everybody who has reached out and, uh, and said hello recently. Really appreciate it. If you get a chance, leave a review on iTunes, of course, uh, that makes a difference. But more than that, pass it on. If you happen to bump into somebody at a, at a party or having coffee or you just know somebody online socially, then point them in the direction as well. So at Being Freelance on Twitter, beingfreelance.com, and of course, subscribe wherever you might find your podcasts. And uh, yeah, this week's guest actually does a very good podcast called Design Life with another designer, a friend of hers called Charlie, which we'll talk about, uh, no doubt, and I I, I recommend it. Uh, she is, it's kind of complicated, we'll find out, but she is full-time, but there's so much freelance stuff, not just like as work on the side, but also thinking about and talking about and writing about. I really enjoy her her weekly articles and newsletter about being freelance and therefore seem like a, a really good person to talk to. So let's go to Amsterdam and say hello to freelance designer Femke van Schoenhoven. Hi. It was nearly right. It was, it was almost there. <laughs> Pretty good. A for effort. So... Normally, I say let's chat about how you got started being freelance. But um, as I mentioned in your in your introduction, you're fully employed, but you also freelance is such a big part of your life as well. So, how about yeah. we hear about how you've got to where you are today? Oh, great question. Where to even begin? <laughs> so, I I work full time at Atomic, which is a online design and prototyping tool. But I like to challenge myself. I'm always up for a good challenge. So, I freelance on the side, and along with that, I have a couple of side projects that I run that sort of feed into the freelancing thing that I do. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a mixed bag, really. I feel like I'm a bit of a plot twist here on your show because I, I don't freelance <laughs> full time, but it's still a big part of what I do, yeah. Because that's the thing. Is that whilst you might not freelance full time, it feels like it's almost like a full time part of your head. Yeah, I, I guess so. I put a lot of time into it. So because I do have a full time job, I really have to structure my day quite rigorously uh, to, to squeeze in the side projects and the freelancing. Otherwise, like, let's be honest, they won't ever get done. So I do have to sort of follow that schedule that I set for myself. And when I am freelancing, my 
head is like 100% in freelance mode because it's the only time I have to do it. So I really have to make the most of those small chunks of time that I can find within the week to spend time on it. Mm. So you were born in uh, in the Netherlands. You grew up in New Zealand. When did you come back? So almost. I was actually born in New Zealand and grew ah. up there. And I moved to the Netherlands about a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. But my parents are from here originally. Right, gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a confusing story, especially here, because my name is so Dutch and so other Dutch people like assume <laughs> that I'm like a Dutch person like them uh, when I'm pretty Kiwi. So it's always a bit of a like awkward story that I have to tell each time. Uh, so so when you came over here, like were you already working for a company full-time and freelancing on the side? Or, or when did you start doing that on the side? Yeah, so freelancing to me happened by accident. So when I was in design school, like I kind of thought that the end game was, oh, you know, you go to design school and then you get a job at an agency or or a company or whatever. And I had never really considered freelancing to be a thing that people do. I just hadn't been exposed to other freelancers before and I didn't really know that it was a career path in its own right. So what actually happened is while I was still studying, somebody approached me and asked me, to, to do some work for them as a freelancer. And I was like, okay, this sounds cool and fun and exciting and challenging and scary all at the same time, but I'll give it a go. And I guess like the entrepreneurial bone inside of me was like, okay, this is pretty awesome. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. And so like the next week later, I set up a portfolio online. I started marketing myself as a freelancer, even though I was still in design school. So there was a bit of that imposter syndrome definitely going on at that point. But yeah, I kind of just, I don't know, I got, I got sucked into it really. It just happened by accident. And so since then I've continued to do it, but, but on the side. So I got my full-time job when I was living in New Zealand and then I moved here and actually took the job with me. So I do the same job, but remotely. And uh, yeah, just continue to freelance on the side. Oh, how cool is that? So that's almost like a freelance lifestyle thing anyway, even if technically you're employed by them. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. Like technically, legally, I am a freelancer because I work remotely for a New Zealand-based company. Uh, so I am a freelancer. It's just that I spend 40 hours of my week working for one client, so to speak. I'm intrigued because when I first encountered you, I got the feeling that you also worked for uh, The Apartment. Yeah. Which, so go on, explain that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, okay. So basically a year ago, uh, I was freelancing and doing a lot of web projects, but I am not a developer, so I could design the the websites, but I couldn't build them myself. And my boyfriend, uh, he knows how to code, so I was like, well, it kind of makes sense if we sort of, you know, join forces, so to speak, and market ourselves as a duo, and that way we can take on projects together and offer like the full package of design and development, which up until that point, I couldn't offer. And so we thought, okay, well, let's start doing that together and we'll give it a name and branding and whatever. And the apartment was sort of born. So that was like our side project slash studio that we 
have been running together. So we both were freelancing as a, as a duo under the apartment, which was sort of our own little mini part-time studio. And how did you find that? Well, if I'm completely honest, about a month ago, we sort of started sunsetting it and going our quote unquote separate ways uh, professionally. We're still together. Uh, But (laughs) we sort of found that it began attracting the wrong type of clients for us. Because it was positioned as a studio, people thought that we were like an agency basically with like a team of 30 to 50 people and that we were full time. So we got these you know, big briefs that we couldn't really take on because of our limited capacity and we both still had full-time jobs and there was just the two of us. So the positioning of it, just after a year, we sort of had to reevaluate and consider whether it was, you know, doing what we wanted it to do. And, And it wasn't really, it wasn't attracting the right type of clients. We weren't getting the type of briefs that we wanted to do. And so we've since... Yeah, I guess like split a little bit. And so now I just have my own personal site and run my freelancing personally. And he also does the same. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was a journey. Like I I definitely learned a lot in that experience. And you found that actually you were were getting too big a client uh, or too big a project. So was there ever a temptation to think, well, you know, we could, I could chuck in my full-time job, uh, as it were, and make a go of this if that work is there? Uh, Kind of, but not really, because my goal isn't to be an agency and I don't really want to do those large scale type briefs. So, I mean, I guess the opportunity was kind of there if I really wanted to do it, but that's not really what my what my personal goals are. I would much rather stay small and just be, you know, me, myself and I and have the freedom to do other projects on the side that feed into my work, like the podcast that I do and writing for my blog and that kind of stuff. I I really enjoy being the individual that I am, I guess, Uh, and getting to speak at conferences and things has been really rewarding. So I, I didn't and I still don't really want to take the agency route. So it wasn't really seriously considered. Cool. Good for you. But, um, because that temptation is really... Really strong. Yeah. Yeah, it can be really strong. And I think it's easy, like just in general, to get really blindsided when something like that comes along that seems like a really good opportunity up front. Uh, you know, it's quite easy to suddenly just start thinking too far ahead and too quickly, like, oh, it all sounds really great. Maybe I should do this. And then you rush into it. Uh, I think that temptation can be really strong. So just being able to take a step back and evaluate, like, what's my goals? What do I want to do? Does this align with that? Uh, That really helps when it comes to making those kind of decisions. You mentioned in there you're speaking. So when did that start to happen? That happened earlier this year in about May. I did my first conference talk, which is terrifying, (laughs) but also quite rewarding. Was that on design or was that on freelancing? Yeah, that was a talk about design. So that was up in Denmark, a really cool conference called One Day Out. And after that conference, I then also got asked to speak at Reasons 2, which is a conference down in Brighton over in your neck of the woods in the UK. Uh, so that was really cool. That's That's been really rewarding. And then throughout the year, I've done like small talks and presentations at local meetups and things. So that's always really nice. I think it's it's very cool to go out and 
be actively involved in the community. Like being active in the online community is one thing, but actually getting to go out and meet people in your area and in other areas. I think there's so much that we can learn from other people. So having the opportunity to do that has been pretty cool so far. And do you feel like it's brought you work as well? I don't know if it's brought me work as such but I feel like it has helped me build my network and Mm. grow grow my own audience so through Twitter I've met a lot of people and grown followers on there uh, as well as just connecting with other people through other sort of communities and things so that's been that's been pretty cool so far and you know, hopefully maybe in the future sometime soon uh, those relationships might might grow into something more. So how did those talks come about? Was that something that you'd pursued? Uh, So I've always wanted to do conference talks, but it was always something that I thought like, oh yeah, when I'm like 50 and I'm super experienced, (laughs) I'm like going to be such a pro at something. I'll, I'll be so wise that, you know, I can go and talk at a conference and share the last 30 years of, you know, whatever. Uh, So it happened a lot sooner than I thought it would. Uh, But the first one sort of came along by chance. Uh, So it it was a bit unexpected, but we sort of got into having a conversation and yeah, it just kind of happened. And since, you know, it's kind of like, uh, what do they say? Kind of like the domino effect or like a snowball, you know, like once you do one, other people see that you've done that. And so you start getting a little bit more requests and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's been really good. And do you like going to conferences in general? I mean, you mentioned growing, you know, meeting yeah. people in person instead of online. I do. I really like going to conferences. Uh, it depends on which ones, you know, obviously. I really do like to go to those conferences that are very design related or entrepreneurial or business. Uh, even some of the tech conferences that I've gone to that sometimes can be quite technical in terms of getting really deep into code and things. Even though I don't code, I still find that that relates to my industry. And so I still find it really interesting to kind of keep my keep my open mind, I suppose, and be exposed to things that other people in my industry are doing and how that sort of plays into design and, and what I do. Cool. So let's talk about those side projects that you mentioned. So first of all, you you blog a lot about being freelance and design. Yeah. So I started doing that just over a year ago. And you know, I was listening to a recent episode uh, that you did with Austin Saylor, who's actually a really close friend of mine. And I know that he mentioned uh, the thing about you know, you you show up every day for two years before anyone really notices. And that's kind of the same mentality that I've had about my blog. So I started about a year ago. And so I guess you could say I'm only halfway into it, really. So I feel like I've still got another year of consistent <laughs> writing and, and showing up every week and publishing a new article before, you know, it really takes off and I start to see much benefit from it. But the reason I started the blog is... You know, I really wanted to give back to the community. I've learned so much along the way and I still like, I feel like I'm still learning more every day. And so the blog is kind of a mixture of, I guess, my personal diary, but also sharing that with other people. Because I think it's really valuable to be raw and honest and open about how we're feeling because it can be really hard sometimes and uh, I don't feel like we talk about it enough. So instead of just 
using my website as a platform to show my work and talk about all the great things like my speaking and things that I've done. You know, I want to also use it as a platform to just, I guess, show the show the realness behind it all and show that sometimes it is difficult and sometimes I do struggle. Uh, but this is what I've done to overcome that or to make it better. And by sharing that, I hope that that can help someone else who's reading. Do you find, you know, let, let's imagine that even if nobody was reading it, which they are. But let's imagine nobody was reading it. Do you find that you get something just even out of that process of thinking it through? Yeah, I think there's always a benefit in doing something. Like there's always things to be learnt, even if no one else sees it or or reads it or whatever it is that you're creating. There's so much learning to be done. And, you know, with things like a blog, like if you wanted to, you could just blog in a personal diary, like in Google Docs and never share it with anyone. Hmm. I still think that there's value in doing that because it's therapeutic. You know, you get your thoughts out and it helps you clear your mind and it forces you to sit down and close all the distractions that you have open on your computer, go into do not disturb mode and just, you know, be with yourself and channel those inner thoughts and those inner feelings and reflect on those. I think that's really healthy. And I think there's a lot that you can learn from doing that and reaching, you know, deeper inside. Mm. And so the other side was the podcast. Yeah, it's really fun doing a podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing, because I've been really enjoying it. When did you, it was about a year ago, wasn't it, that you started doing that? Yeah, we just recently had our first birthday, which was super exciting. And it's actually weekly. I mean, I know, I know this is weekly, but there are weeks where I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas you have actually managed to do it weekly. Yeah, we do it every every Monday. There's a new episode and we've stuck to that. Sometimes we've been a little bit later in the day. I think once maybe it fell on the Tuesday morning because, you know, sometimes one of us is traveling or the internet is down or, you know, we both have full-time jobs, so maybe we have to work late. There's lots of lots of reasons that, you know, for why the podcast could be a bit late. But for the most part, it's always on time and it's always every week. So it's, it's really fun. It's really nice to get to sit down with Charlie, my co-host, and have an hour chat each week and share that. Yeah, it's great. Um, we will put links, of course, beingfreelance.com, uh, so you can link through and subscribe and li- listen to that as well. Let's just stop and think, though. You've got a full-time job, you've got freelance paid gigs on the side, you've got a weekly podcast, weekly blog slash newsletter, and then speaking gigs. Uh, I feel like I've probably... Oh, yeah, you've got a boyfriend. So, oh, and a cat. They're oh, very cat. attention demanding. <laughs> so yeah, um, the obvious thought is like, how on earth... I know you mentioned that you're very structured, but how on earth do you manage to stay on top of that? So... The best thing that I have learned is that there's no such thing as more time. And we could complain forever about how we don't have enough time in the day and we could forever use that as an excuse to not do the things that we want to do or the things that we want to achieve. So when I kind of learned that and understood that, I realized that instead of always complaining and asking for more time, I need to get better at making time. So that includes creating priorities and making the time for those priorities. So, for example, if I have the podcast due out tomorrow morning, then I am not going to watch television tonight because I need to edit the podcast. 
And I think that's a, a mindset that I've adopted over time. I don't think it's something that you could just adopt that overnight. It really has come with time and trial and error and pushing myself too far. So adopting that mindset has really helped me prioritize things and make time for things. And so one of the things that I do is every weekday I get up at 6 a.m. So I get up at the same time every morning and I have about two hours to myself to just solely work on side projects. My cat is asleep, my boyfriend is asleep, my whole street (laughs) is still asleep. So it's really like the only time in the day that I get structured, focused, uninterrupted time uh, that nobody else can interrupt me. And that has been hugely successful for my productivity and for my ability to do these things and, and get them out into the world. And so, yeah, I have two hours every morning to myself before I log on to, to my day job. Do you literally not check your day job at that point? Yes, literally. Like I've got do not disturb mode on my phone and on my computer. Slack is closed. Twitter is closed. Facebook is definitely not open. Uh, I'm basically like unplugged from the rest of the world for those two hours every morning. Cool. Especially because I guess like the people you're working for on the other side of the world are awake and working. Yes, that can definitely be a challenge sometimes. So because they're based in New Zealand, like when I'm up at 6am, they're sometimes still working because it's their afternoon. Uh, Mm. So what I usually do is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just check, like I'll just look at the lock screen on my phone and see if there's any urgent messages work related because obviously they're working while I'm asleep. So something could come in overnight. So I just do like a little check and like 99% of the time, you know, there's nothing there and it's fine. Uh, If there was something there, then obviously I would, you know, go into work mode. But I don't think that's really ever happened more than maybe once or twice in the last year. Cool. So you have those two hours yeah. to yourself or to your side projects, rather than that, uh, and then you go into work. And then how about the other end of the day? So the other end of the day, I I try to take some time for myself. So whether that's going for a walk or reading a book or cooking dinner, uh, there's probably people listening to this that think cooking dinner but that's such a chore, like that's not relaxing. Uh, But to me it is because I really like cooking and it's a different way to be creative. So I like to cook dinner and I kind of see that as time for myself away from the screen, etc. And then after that, if, if I have something that, you know, I really want to achieve or maybe that's due really soon, then I'll work on a side project for maybe another hour or two. Uh, But other than that, I kind of just have like, home time, relaxing time, spend time with my boyfriend or spend time with friends, go out for dinner or drinks or something like that. So actually you're, instead of like working late on your own side projects and abandoning that, you do it first yes. thing Yes, and I think that's, yeah. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of your mind in the morning because you've just slept so it's rested and it's refreshed and those first two hours of the day whatever you spend it on is likely going to be your most productive or your most energized and so I mean I have friends who are night owls like by definition they're a night owl but they've trained themselves to be early morning people and now they get up like My friend Charlie, she gets up even earlier than I do. She gets up at five or something and she's a night owl. So she gets up at five and she'll have like two, three hours of dedicated side project time because 
like me, she understands that that's like the most productive time of the day for her based on the fact that you've just rested and and no one else is awake. So it's a nice non-distractive time. You did mention earlier that at one point you took it too far. Mm. In in what way did you take it too far? Yeah, so I think burnout is just a thing that every creative will eventually go through. And that happened to me for the first time a couple of months ago where I was just too overworked that I just hit that wall of being way too burnt out. And I still haven't quite identified how I got there or what it was that I did that led me to that point. But I think overall this year I've been doing a lot more travel. And while travel is amazing and so much fun, and I'm very grateful for all of the travel opportunities I get, it definitely disrupts like the equilibrium, right? Like you're not at home as much. You have to plan things ahead because you're going to be away. You don't know when you're going to get Wi-Fi, which for me doing side projects, I kind of depend on Wi-Fi to upload things. And so I'd been doing a lot of travel and I think that just disrupted my equilibrium too much and pushed me too far in terms of requiring me to prepare a lot in advance. And yeah, it just got a little bit too much. Man. And one thing I did, you know, we mentioned your writing for your blog and for your newsletter, but you have written for other places as well. And are those... Yeah. Uh, are those opportunities that you have gone after? Mm, a couple. So there was one where I offered to do a blog post on a blogging website. So it's like a, a helpful tips, tricks kind of style uh, website that helps other bloggers blog. And so I offered to do that post. Uh, but there's been other opportunities where they've approached me. So for example, I recently did a cover story for Net Magazine. And that was an article about freelancing tools. So it was like a roundup list of tools for freelancers. And uh, they approached me to do that, which was super cool. So it's it's been a bit, bit of a mixture of both. And you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with going out there and, and grabbing your own opportunities. I think sometimes we feel like we have to just wait for something to come along. But I'd say if you've got the passion and the drive and the hunger to go and do something, then just go and do it. Like if you want to write a blog post for a blog, then just ask them. The worst thing they're going to do is say no. And if you don't ask them, you already have a no. So you may as well ask them because you <laughs> might get a yes. <laughs> you know? It's a great way of looking at it. Okay, now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. So what have you got for me? Okay, so this is the most exciting part of the podcast, right? Like everyone just skips to this part, just listen to it. <laughs> Don't give them ideas. <laughs> okay, so here we go. The first one. I once swallowed a goldfish as part of a deer. <laughs> Number two. I'm an experienced violinist. Ooh. Number three. I broke my brother's leg when he was two years old. <gasps> Wow, good fact. Is this hard? <laughs> you swallowed a goldfish. Mm. How on, you swallowed a goldfish? I know I'm not very proud of it. I have to admit, I, I considered not sharing that one because it's a little bit shameful. But you know, when you're like nine and you want to be the cool kid on the block, and you're all like goofing around <laughs> and you're playing truth or dare, and someone dares you to swallow a goldfish, and you're like, yes, I'm gonna do wow. it. That is heroic at that age, as you say, <laughs> on, on the block. 
What did other people have to do in the same game? I can't remember because that was the most memorable part of it. <laughs> I can't remember because I passed out shortly afterwards. <laughs> Uh, you're an experienced violinist. Uh, what, like with grades, playing an orchestra type thing? Yeah, I started playing when I was three years old, and wow. I've played in local orchestras and string quartets and school orchestra, lots of local competitions. I did that up until I was about 18, 19 when I left high school. And do you still play? I don't, unfortunately. My violin is in New Zealand. And you broke your brother's leg Mm -hmm. when he was two. Mm -hmm. Please don't tell me that was a dare. (laughs) No, (laughs) that one wasn't a dare. Uh, This one was a total accident. So I put him on a seesaw. We call it a seesaw. Is that what you call it in the UK? At the playground? Uh, I put him on a seesaw and uh, a really large 10-year-old kid got on the other side and uh, the 10-year-old kid went down and my brother went up <laughs> and uh, he got his leg hooked on the handlebars and then he was like dangling down, like it's a little bit graphic. Um, and yeah, he had to be helicoptered to the hospital and he was in a cast, uh, like his whole right leg, half of his left leg, <laughs> and then the cast went right up to his chest. So like the whole area is like casted. Uh, so I've always felt a little bit responsible for that accident. <laughs> How old were you at the time? Five. Five. So, which one? <laughs> oh my gosh, these are brilliant. Um, you see, I, I kind of want to say the violin, the violin, the violin's true. The vi- <laughs> you, you didn't swallow a goldfish. Damn, I was hoping I was going to trick you. Yes. You're so good at this game. You've had too much practice. I am getting a bit that way, aren't I? Uh, and smug, too. Um, the goldfish story was so convincing, though. I know, because I knew you were going to ask me about the story, so I like planned it in my head what I was going to say. <laughs> I was very well prepared for this. Thank you for putting so much effort no, in. That's okay. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, so if you, could, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Just do it. And I don't mean to steal that from Nike, but I think a lot of the time we're just so afraid and we don't believe in ourselves enough. Maybe we have a goal, you know, something we want to achieve or something we want to start. Maybe a project comes along that sounds super cool, but you're doubting yourself. You're feeling that imposter syndrome. You're not sure where it's going to lead to and everything's a big question mark in your life. Just do it. Like, As scary as it is, I would just recommend that people take that first step into the darkness because there could be a light at the end of the tunnel and the only way you know that is if you go inside it. So don't let the, uh, I guess, the big question mark hold you back. Just take that chance and do it. Mm. And, I mean, you sound like you're really sort of goal-orientated. Would that be fair to yeah, say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I never used to be. I, I never used to be one of those people that would write down your weekly goals or whatever. But I feel like having goals is like having an anchor. So if you're ever not sure about something, you can always relate to your goals and let that help you decide what you're going to do next and like whether it's a good decision and whether it's something you should say yes or no to because ultimately a goal is something you want to achieve right so you want to get there and so you can kind of use those goals as as your anchor as your 
as your ship to help guide you in which direction and which path you should take. So I always refer to my goals if I'm not sure about something. And I think it's it's really good to have goals, not only for that, but also to help feel that sense of achievement. Because once you achieve a goal, you know, we feel good about ourselves. And so we should, we've just achieved something. And so I think it's nice to have something to aim for and something to look forward to. And you can celebrate your successes and then decide on a new goal and work towards that. How often would you say you, I don't know, make them or look at them, assess them? I don't know. Um, I guess like I always have yearly goals, uh, but I also have goals like every couple of months, like maybe there's a project that I want to do. So I'll set myself a goal for that project and a bit of a time frame. So that might be like quarterly. But it's not like I'm like every day waking up in the morning and looking at my goal that I wrote down. Uh, It's just something that's always in the back of my mind that I can refer to. Yeah, nice. Um, Okay, now don't forget beingfreelance.com is where we have, well, as well as all the other guests, of course, that you can listen to, links through for each guest. So that means you can find out what Femme is up to, uh, both uh, her writing, her podcast, which I hugely recommend you go listen to, and also sign up to her newsletter as well. Thank you. Which is excellent. So, yeah... It's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was so much fun. All the best being freelance. Thank you very much. So there you are. Hope you enjoyed that. If you're new to being freelance, please do delve deeper into a back catalogue of guests because, well, you might have missed stuff like this. I think just having that mentality that was helpful for a freelancer to not rest on your laurels. If business is really good, then it's safe to assume that that could change. It's kind of about knowing your worth and being prepared for them to walk away if they don't see the value in it. In the freelance world, it's not good to view other freelancers as competition. There's enough work to go around for all of us. My real issue is I can't say no to people. I just want to do everything that comes my way. You don't necessarily do yourself favours by over-delivering. I think sort of when you start out, often as a freelancer, you're very, very keen to impress clients and um, you sort of inadvertently and accidentally set the bar extremely high for your day rate. You know, it's so different than having a set salary and thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to make this year. That's it. With the freelance lifestyle, you have so much opportunity to out earn the previous month or to out earn your last year annual billable income. I love that challenge. I think it's very exciting. It's also very dangerous. All those guests and more, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever it might be. And of course, you can find them all at beingfreelance.com. That's it for this one, though. Have a great week being freelance. Thank you.